Okay, so tonight the um, topic is prophecy and follow protocol, prophetic protocols, how to prophesy and follow prophetic protocols. Uh, so let us uh, pray. Father, we thank you again for your presence here with us tonight and Holy Spirit that you're here to teach us and open up the word to us as we go forth in our endeavor to learn more and more about uh, you, God, and the prophetic, because we know that prophecy is the heart and uh, part of the culture of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And what we're to, what is to be happening in the kingdom of heaven is to also be happening here on earth. We thank you that you stir up the gift within us and you said for us to desire earnestly to prophesy. And we want you, Lord God, to use us, to speak through us. As you told me years and years and years ago, the closest that we can be to you is to hear your voice and to prophesy and to have you use us. And we want that relationship, Lord God, even more today. And uh, with all minds clear, we begin our teaching. And uh, everyone receive, that there be no confusion, no distractions. We come against any distractions of the enemy and any plans or devices that cause this teaching not to go forth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And again, the name of the book is How to Prophesy and Follow Prophetic Protocols. It's by Dr. Don Lynch, L-Y-N-C-H. He does have a, a website if you wanted to go and check his website out. This little booklet is not very expensive. It's a $7 book or $7 read, as they say. And I was able to purchase several of them for only $3 and some change because he had them on a special. And so you can go to Amazon and get this book yourself or buy it for someone else if you like. So the things that the book covers, there's a few questions up front that are asked. One of them is, what are the intentions of God in Revelation? Meaning as he reveals things to us, not the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about Revelation. We're talking about how God reveals things to us from the spirit realm. What is his intention? Another question, second question is, what is the difference between spiritual awareness and revelatory legitimacy? Is that like accurateness or correctness? What is the difference between revelatory experience, meaning your experience and prophetic functions, your experience in prophetic functions, how you receive from the Holy Spirit? Or the Spirit of God. And so these are this is a few things we're going to discuss briefly and more of the introduction of the book versus getting into those actual protocols. There's seven protocols total. And we'll just hit and miss some of the, uh, the key points. I'm not going to read the entire book to you. We'll just cover some of the key points in, in each of the sections. The first one then is, um, number one is, every believer hears... God's voice. And this begins on page nine. There is a marked difference between hearing God speak to you and prophecy. It's two different things. Him speaking to you is communing with you. He's having fellowship with you. Um, sometimes we use the word intimacy because we, we love our father. 
Just like we love our parents. It's a different kind of love. It's a different level of love. And so hearing him is different than actually speaking for him and him speaking through you. When he speaks through you, it's using the prophetic gift. And the prophetic gift has to be active in you for the prophetic gift to work. Okay, so there's different levels of hearing. You hear by relationship, then you can hear. And they, sometimes they call these uh, rims of the prophetic um, or different levels in the prophetic or dimensions in the prophetic. So you have that first level, which is your relationship with God. Your second level is the gift of prophecy. And then you would have the spirit of prophecy. And then you would have the actual gift, which is the office. I shouldn't say gift of prophecy, I should say the prophetic uh, person, which is a prophet. It's the office of a prophet. So those are like the four levels or three. Sometimes it's only three that they speak of, which is the uh, spirit, the gift, and the office. So that's why his first comment here is that every believer can hear and should hear God's voice. The key word here is a believer. Are you born again? Because if your spirit isn't born again, you're not going to be in communion with spirit, with Holy Spirit, which is God, because God is spirit. Seeing and hearing revelation is not prophetic. So just because you can see in the spirit doesn't mean it's considered prophetic or that it's revelation. Is it God revealing to you? As you can see in the spirit and it, and it, may, it could be a demonic force that you might see or sense or pick up on. And so your senses are not just your hearing and your, your speaking sense. Your hearing or your speaking. You also have other senses, smell, touch, and just a sense of being able to um, perceive, which is perception. And then with perception, we've talked to, we've had actually almost a workshop on uh, spiritual discernment because that's even more broader than anything else. And sometimes we get, some people get and not understanding discernment, spiritual discernment and discernment confused with the gift of discerning of spirits. That's even another level. So God, he does things in levels. That's like a third or the highest level. I think I was talking to, I think it was Claire and she was talking about visions and seeing because she is kind of like a seer too. She sees angelic beings she sees in the spirit. I don't know what other things she sees because seers too, they, have, they dream a lot. They have visions. There's other things that, that God will show them. Well, there's different levels of seeing. You can see at that first level, which is your, your own spirit can see and perceive things at that first level that we talked about where you're, when God's dealing directly with you which not necessarily prophetic. He's just talking and speaking with you. It's not what we call prophecy. I won't say it's not prophetic. It's not prophecy. So that's like one level of seeing or vision. The second level would be like a vision or a dream. So it's more of a closed vision. You, you know, your gifts, the gift of spirit might be working uh, in that, you know, in, in that encounter, but it's not an open vision. Open vision is the highest level, number three. Your eyes are wide open and you see open vision. You, the, the veil is completely removed. That's pretty, pretty deep. Um, I can say I've had a couple and it, I didn't make it happen. It just, God causes it to happen. 
for, for one of them I'm thinking is the Holy Spirit's having me to share is the one where Jesus wrote his name in the sky on a cloud, in a cloud for us. And it was his name just right across this, in the, in this you know, in the air. And I'm thinking everybody can see, well, he did allow me and my kids to see it. I don't know who else might have seen it. But those are what we call a, an open, they're a miracle that you know, no man did not do that. It had to have been God. So that's what, when we talk about anything doing to deal with revelation and prophetic, there's, remember, there's levels. There's a, a lower level, maybe a middle level, and then a top level. One, two, three. It's usually a higher level or a higher function. Okay. And then another, uh, with every, every believer being able to hear God's voice, uh, it is a revelatory experience and not prophecy or a prophetic function. So revelatory experience is what I just kind of described, but remember there's different levels. So if you dream a lot, those are considered, you, ha you have uh, God revealing to you. It's considered a revelatory experience. Doesn't necessarily mean it's prophecy or a prophetic function. Now, if you take a dream and your dream becomes vivid, I have dreams that become prophecy. But I, God told me he was going to start to deal, deal with me with my dreams in that way. He, he, he let me know ahead of time. So when I started having them, I had to be more in tune to know that this is going to be different. These are going to be different kinds of dreams. And I have to be aware of what they, what was happening in them. Pay more attention. Like I'm back in school in the front row and with my pen and paper and being studious. And so those dreams began to be prophetic words. I'd had a dream about somebody. And, you know, I can't say it's just something. I just had a dream about somebody. I have to now take it to God and find out what you want me to do with this dream. And then if I don't do anything with it then, that's fine. But I know I have it and I wrote it down. And then at the right timing when it's supposed to be released. See, that's another thing about prophecy. You release it when it's supposed to be released. There's timing involved. I released it when he brought it back to remembrance. And it was for the person that was in my dream. And I was able to release it and give it give it to that person as a prophetic word and not so much as a dream. And then there have been other dreams I've gotten that are prophetic words. A lot of them I write them out and I, I post them. I put them on my website. So um, repertory experiences are different from prophecy, but they can become prophecy at a different level as God deals with you and shares things with you. Okay, prophetic function. What is prophetic function? I've said that a, a couple times. Um, it functions out of... Prophetic function basically just means prophecy that's functioning out of protocols. Order. It's not necessarily a systematic way of prophesying, but parameters and guidelines for, for prophecy. Okay, so protocols guide the prophetic process. It helps to maintain the integrity of the prophetic ministry so that it's, you know, uh, in the natural world, we talk about professions, like I'm a nurse. And so nurses have, we have a profession, we have license, we take tests, and we have, you know, uh, protocols on how we do things, how things are done. And then every nurse across the state, across the United States, does that same way because they're standardized 
protocols and standards. Same situation with the prophetic. It's to maintain, if you have a, a process in place where you have protocols in place, you maintain the integrity or the accuracy or the respect of that profession or that process. So we don't want to be um, standing up and doing willy-dilly type prophesying. That's, that doesn't mean anything. We're just speaking off the top of our heads because then that's not really the prophetic gift. And don't, that's not going to help anyone. How you know that you're in the prophetic flow and the prophetic gift is working is that there's anointing attached to it. The words you release have power and authority and they're anointed. That's the difference. That's how you'll know that um, that word is from God. And people in the audience, people in the congregation, the ecclesia, the church, even the leaders and the elders will also know because they'll bear witness with it in their spirit. That is life. That that, boy, that hit somebody. And you know what? Sometimes the word going forth is not just for that person that's receiving it. I've been in meetings where I grabbed hold of a word that I heard that I knew that word was for me too. <laughs> and it can be that way. That's how awesome our God is. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, bear witness. Mm -hmm. it's, it's part of judging. And that is one of the protocols here. Is that ideally, prophetic people should judge prophecy. It's not always the case sometimes, depending on the, the, the setting or the church. Okay, prophetic protocols involve what to do with the revelation once it's given and released or received. And so it's good to be able to, if you have and receive something prophetically, to be able to take it to someone that has knowledge and experience, can help you understand what to do with the revelation that you have received. Okay? That's what uh, protocols also do. But if you're in a place where they don't have them, then they don't have that, that set up so that can happen. And then people can't grow either. Okay, so another concept then, as far as it's still in the introduction of this book, is the kingdom is a prophetic culture. That starts on page 13. The spiritual kingdom has, a spiritual kingdom has a spiritual culture. It means how people act and operate. Um, God's kingdom is a prophetic kingdom. A prophetic culture is a cultural setting that's governed by revelation of God's mind, heart, and intention. So that's how it's governed. It's what God has once done. You're perceiving his heart and his mind. God has designed protocols to guide and govern prophetic behavior. That would be on page 16 of this book. As we grow in higher levels of revelation and prophetic experiences, we will require a higher standard of personal purity and integrity. And, and the uh, author was saying how sometimes people, when they get to a certain level and they think they're mature and they're really flowing, they feel that they don't need standards. They don't need any leadership. They don't need anybody to judge them and give them any kind of oversight. But the author is saying 
the higher you get, the more that that is important. Because especially if you're, if you're called to release words to governors or senators and things like that nature, it would be good to be able to have somebody to rub shoulders with that you can um, have judge your words and help guide it. Not that they're questioning that you received it or not. It's not a matter of that. It's just, you know, um, you don't, I just always say, look at the fruit of whoever's re delivering and who's saying they have this word because if they don't have that foundation and have played that structure in place where they have, they're undercovering, they're in relationship with other prophetic people. They're not just out there wandering because there's some people that, and they don't, I don't think they do it on purpose. They do it out of being ignorant. And I know there are some that do it on purpose. They just want to uh, prophesy. They want to minister. They want to be a leader. They want to be that. They want to be this. They call themselves this and that. And it's really dangerous to be able to be, you know, get into those situations. Very dangerous. So as we grow, the more that, that we in, in prophetic experiences, the more that we're going to need the oversight. Okay, another uh, concept is on page 19 is prophecy is communication. If we think of prophecy as being a form of communication, and it's God communicating to his people. It's him communicating to his church, the body. Everything a prophetic person says is not necessarily prophetic, though. We can't always think just because they're talking that they're prophesying. And, you know, you'd be surprised some people think that. Prophecy communicates God's thoughts about you or a person that was hidden and revealed when he decides to speak it. So it's not always something they already know. And sometimes people say that. They say, well... Prophecy is just a, uh, it's something I already knew. It's confirmation. It's not, doesn't always have to be confirmation. It could be something really new that God wants to get to you, and this is the way he chooses to do so. And, and I can remember my earlier days that the Lord told me he, for me not to, and people do this. They go around looking for a word. I, I didn't always look for a word, but when I was in a setting and there was a powerful person there speaking, sure, I was wish, hoping I was one of those that they would call out. <laughs> But to go seeking like that versus what I just explained, the latter, is two different things. So if you're, he told me, you're the word said, when, when you need a prophetic word and I have a prophetic word for you, you'll, you'll receive it. But I prefer to speak to you like I speak to you. As I needed to learn from him when he's just speaking to me on the first level and when he's prophesied, when I need to prophesy and the gift is flowing. Or when am I in an office and he's going to do something even more so in a, in a meeting? And he's done all three. And so I have to be able to operate at, a, at a, each level. And so whenever I do receive a prophetic word, it's not so, he says, it's not so much for you. It's for those who are in attendance in the meeting to hear what I am saying to you. So it's like a confirmation for them. Or, or uh, something that he's already been had maybe told them, and then somebody says it, and it's confirmation for them of something he has already said to, to them about myself, and they maybe they didn't tell me. I don't know. But he says, whenever that happens, it's not so much for you, it's for others. So then it could be the same for most of us. Who knows, right? But that's just something to, I thought I would add. Basic prophecy, this is on page 27. 
Prophecy communicates God's thoughts. The prophetic process includes revelation, communication, interpretation, application, and implementation. So it has several parts to it, um, which is considered what we call prophetic process. The gift of prophecy requires communication, speaking for to reveal something hidden, but revealed by God. That process starts with receiving the revelation of what God's saying or revealing what cannot be known by other means or knowing something by spiritual capacity, not natural senses or human imagination. That's when you have like the gift of discerning of spirits in operation or the gift of wisdom, word of wisdom, and the gift of the word of knowledge. You know something that there's no way that person would have, should have known about you. Um, Tony, that might have been like with the word you had. That was a word of knowledge um, that I had. Only way I knew that is the Holy Spirit spoken through me. So the gift of prophecy is available to all believers who, who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, they have to be believers. Having the gift of prophecy does not make one a prophet. Uh, very different protocols apply to prophets. So these protocols that we're going to cover, uh, they're for prophets, but there's other things that expectations that prophets have to follow. Their protocols are, are, are a little bit different. Some of them are, he does list a few. Prophets train people who operate in the gift. That's one of them. Prophets operate in a different realm of the prophetic. So when we talked about the different levels, they're in a different realm. Prophets not only have the gift of prophecy, but they also operate, flow, and function in the gift of word and knowledge, gift of word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Those three are the rep three of the nine uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're called the revelatory gifts because they reveal something. God is revealing something to them or to the prophet. Yes, ma'am. So can I, can I ask about the uh, situation where I saw my friend standing in the water? Uh-huh. Was that prophecy? Was that pro That was a revel. That was like a, um, it happened, it was happening at the same time that you received it. Mm -hmm. She was actually in the, in the, in the water. Mm -hmm. So that was like a word of knowledge. Okay. You know, it, it's something that you, there's no way you would have known. Knowledge is something that's happening, has happened before in the past or is happening now. Mm -hmm. So people talk to you about kind of things you went through in the past or your childhood or whatever, or something that's happening currently, your current situation. Where a word of wisdom is more, in the future. It's more like a prediction. Okay, prophets also provide, this is some of the protocols for them, is that they provide leadership for the operation of, a, of the gift of prophecy. So typically a prophetic team is led by a prophet. Um, prophets judge prophecy from the communication, interpretation, application, and into some aspects of the implementation steps of the process. So that's kind of some of the protocols that a prophet might have. They're a little bit different than um, a prophetic person with, that's on a prophetic team. Presbytery is another term that people will use for people who flow in the office. They will be on a presbytery, and presbyteries are used when someone is being licensed and ordained. It's usually at a higher level of ministry than what we're going to be doing on our prophetic team. 
Okay, protocols. So there's seven protocols. The first one is on page 33, communicate with permission. That's why I said when we start, we're going to ask everyone, you know, is it okay for us to practice on you? So I will give a few minute overview of the gift of prophecy and what it is. And, and most people should be familiar with the uh, spiritual gifts in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. But, you know, sometimes you have some that aren't. God, when you ever have a meeting and you have a workshop or you have a group or something, whatever it is, typically those that are there, God has already preordained them to be there. And he's prepared their hearts to receive what it is you're going to be doing. So we, we should not worry about something being over somebody's head or somebody coming and trying to disrupt. Yeah, that does happen sometimes. The enemy will send people in to try to disrupt. But that's why we cover everything in prayer. That's why we also prepare ourselves in prayer and fasting. And so the demonic forces that are happening, the angelic hosts are also taking care of of that. That's not our battle. That's the battle that's happening by the Lord. Our requirement is, like I said, the preparation and the prayer and all the other things that we're supposed to do. So people that come in, we'll be able to, you know, tell them a little bit about what we are going to be doing. But one of the biggest things we want them to know is that, you know, we're not being saying that prophecy is the end of all, you know, that we may not miss it or we might miss it, but it's not our, our desire to miss it. And we do want you to pull on the gift that's here to participate in what's happening. Because sometimes you'll have meetings where people just, just sat down on you. They don't want to be a part of it. And so our prayer with all this preparation is, is that's not going to be, you know, our, our, um, our, you know, our process. That's not what we're going to be expecting. That's not going to be what's going to happen on, on the 21st when we minister as a, as a team. God is going to really show up mightily and very strong. And his presence is going to be amazing. That's all I can say. That's all I can right now can, can tell you that I know. So we are only to speak what we actually hear and see and sense. As long as the person has given us permission you know, to practice on them. If there's anybody there that doesn't want to us to practice on them, they probably should, should leave, um, you know, versus stay. Because once we move, we, we're not limited to who we call out. We, we just, whoever we feel God is drawing us to. It's almost like a draw. We get into these, this when we do more practicing uh, with the team. But, you know, God will shine a light on somebody or draw them toward you with your spirit, draw them out. Or they may give you a name. And you might just say, is there anybody here that's, their name is, you know, Janet. <laughs> and then Janet's here and they stand up. So it's hard to say how it will work. We don't predict anything as far as how the process will work. So permission includes timing, setting, interpretation, and judgment. For us, permission, we already know that it's this setting here. So this is beyond a team when they talk about their permission. Protocol number two it's communicate proper content. This is on page 35. There again, I'm only giving you an overview. On page 36, it talks about prophecy is to encourage, comfort, and exhort God's people. So we're only there for that purpose. We're not there to do any correction, judging, condemning, or directing. Um, this is typically left 
uh, for the office of the prophet, those type of prophecies anyway, prophetic words. I don't believe any of that sort of thing will, um, will happen. There might, be some, there might be some direction, possibly, but especially correction will not, I don't think we'll see much of that. A prophet's function as a leader and his prophetic gift and leadership function combine to speak greater than the scope set by the parameters of the gift. This is on page 37. So it's just kind of giving you a guideline of the difference. All prophetic words and operations should all stand the scrutiny of judgment by prophetic leadership. We should ask for prophetic insight and interpretation, no matter how prophetic communication comes into our lives. And that's on page 39. Protocol number three, never, we never prophesy in a vacuum. This one's pretty interesting. This is on page 45. What is a vacuum? A vacuum is described as a space entirely devoid of matter or substance. So that means you're speaking and you have empty words. You're coming from your head. <laughs> You're coming from a place of nothingness. The, the author calls it parking lot prophecies. How many have experienced anybody wanting to always prophesy to you or give you a word? <laughs> Sometimes they hit the mark, but they're really out of order. That's a person that you know that is not under any structure or hasn't ha has had limited teaching. And so... Uh, and sometimes they don't want it. <laughs> you know, it's, I just, under, I don't understand. I have always been so serious about the things of God and how people can be flippity with the things of God. I don't get it. It's just, it just, oh, whew, it gets under my, my skin. <laughs> um, Dr. Lynch says, and this is the guy who wrote the book, that doing this is grounds for being sat down, quote, unquote, <laughs> and our prophetic voice silenced, our gift function invalidated. Wow, he's, <laughs> he's probably like me, it gets under his skin. <laughs> this is not because we don't hear or see correctly, but because we function improperly, dangerously, and recklessly. And there are people like that, they really, and they can hurt people, they don't realize it. And then some, I think, mean well, but they still need to be guided and corrected and receive counseling. You're dealing with people's lives. You're dealing with human beings. It's not a plaything. I was going to read the scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22. It says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the thing does not happen or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken in presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Okay, that, I'm not going to talk about the part, you shall not be afraid of him. But, but anyway, because that's almost like a sermon message. <laughs> Somebody could preach that. You know how people say, oh, that'll preach. Well, I want to talk about the word presumptuously, though. Uh, this is a person or their behavior. So it's a person or the behavior of that person. Failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. So what is appropriate? Proper. I hope I won't be considered presumptuous. This is an example. If I offer some ad advice, that means like stepping 
over, being overconfidently, um, being arrogant, being offensive. Some other synonyms are uh, bold, um, fresh, premature, impetuous, assumptive, forward, arrogant. We don't want to be known as a presumptuous prophet. And I think there, that term has been said quite a bit for prophets who are just, you know, budding prophets, young, you know, need to be trained. The call may be there, but they have not submitted themselves or gift to, to leadership for training. So in Deuteronomy 18.22, it says, if the thing that they say, in other words, which he gives as a sign of the truth of his prophecy, whatever it is, the falsehood of his prediction shows him to be a false prophet because more than likely it does not come to pass. Uh, presumptuously, it means imprudently ascribing his own vain and lying fantasies to the God of truth. Wow. Here is a, a caution against false prophets. We must try the word we hear, that we may know what that word is, which the Lord has not spoken. So you have to know the Bible in order to try the word. Know the Bible for yourself. Whatever is against the plain sense of the written word or which gives continence or encouragement to sin, we may be sure is not that which the Lord has spoken. To blatantly try to put somebody in sin is, is definitely what we define as a, pro, a false prophet. Amen? Yep. Misleading someone. Someone can be false out of ignorance as well, though. Okay, so the next uh, protocol is number four. We prophesy in part. That's on page 49. First Corinthians 13, 9 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. We only get a portion. We only get a glimpse. We only get a piece of what's happening. And somebody else could have the other piece or parts. But this is the way the Lord operates with us. And he wants us to seek more of what he does show us. So I think it's almost like, you know, it's like a little bit of bread. And he's just kind of drawing you. He's drawing you more into wanting to know, into more wanting to uh, have to reveal more to you. And that helps you to grow and to mature. It is the level of trust we have in the one communicating that measures the purity and power of the word, not the revelation itself. So it goes back to trusting someone. Sometimes people think when you know in part that you didn't, you didn't, you missed it. But you, you're not, you are, you can only give what part God gives you or what part he says, what part of the picture. God isn't going to turn, excuse me, prophecy into a, hor a horoscope or psychic reading. <laughs> well, and that's what sometimes people do with the gift, especially those who have a bonafide gift and they're not saved. You know, they become uh, employees of the, those hotlines and whatever they're called. Okay, protocol five. Prophecy confirms God's direction. Here I would say can confirm 
is how I would say that, that it doesn't always have to. Because we are led by the Spirit of God and not by prophecy. So if we, what, we get direction, we get in our direction from God himself speaking to us. But if you are needing confirmation, it can confirm. Prophecy can confirm his direction to you. He can just encourage you and say, oh yeah, you're on the right track. Keep it going to encourage you because it edifies you. Remember, edify, comfort, exhort. That's the, the um, purpose for prophecy. Being led by the Spirit is something that everybody, you know, needs to have. So they should have that premise that, you know, I'm hearing you speak. I'm hearing you give me a prophetic word, but I know God too. And so that's how when you speak it to me, I know when I'm hearing him speak. That helps as well, you know, when people have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes the Lord will use prophecy for the unbeliever as well because they don't know him. So we want to make sure that we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and that we're communion with him and that we develop our spirit by listening and taking time out to listen, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost, uh, asking him. I used to always ask him, what did I say? Can you tell me what I said? You know, I, all this talking I was doing. And it may not be a whole lot when he tells me what it is, but I was doing all this long praying in the spirit. And he'll just say, I love you. I said, okay. That's all I was saying. I was saying so much more. But I think as you grow, there's more and more that he can interpret that you say. So your prayers can be interpreted if you ask him. And you can just write it down. That's part of your training and your learning and hearing him. So you're responsible for developing your, uh, your uh, spirit and hearing that still small voice and that inner witness. And taking time not to get ahead of him. But to follow him, let him lead. See, the word, key word is being led by the Spirit of God. You develop your spirit by feeding on God's word and then doing what is what he says to do. And of course, one of the big ones is, is praying in the Holy Spirit. Remember, it builds up our, our spirit, man, and get him stronger. You want to know the word for yourself, and you want to instantly obey the voice. The more that happens, the more he'll give you to do. The more he'll speak. Protocol number six. Proto prophetic words are always subject to judgment. This is on page 59. I love this statement by Dr. Lynch. <laughs> he sometimes is really straightforward. He says, if you aren't teachable and submissive, just don't say anything prophetic at all. No matter how well you hear and see revelation, just keep it to yourself. If you are unwilling to submit to leaders as a person and your prophecies for judgment. <laughs> he goes on to say, if you are not teachable or submissive, you may have suffered from rejection or been misunderstood or not submitted to correction. Avoided training. People just run around. They don't be trained and don't intend to have their gift or message questioned. Check their fruit. That's how you determine where people are coming from or where they're at. Just listen. You know, we don't always have to be the one talking. Listen. Let's be, be a listener. You will hear a lot about a person, what's coming out of their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Prophets or prophetic people who have no accountability are dangerous. 
dangerous. And the last protocol, protocol seven. Prophetic people judge prophetic words. This is on page 65. He's, you know, he says that, and I think this is true. Sometimes you'll have a lot of people judging a prophetic word. And they have no clue what the prophetic is about. So how are they having the basis or the foundation within them to know what is prophetic or what isn't prophetic or how it works, the operation of the prophetic? And um, leaders who function prophetically should judge prophetic words. People with prophetic experience and knowledge. And then lastly, um, he says, this just do it attitude isn't consistent with the order of prophetic experience and function, meaning just go out and prophesy and releasing people to speak their prophetic minds without proper protocols and training. It always produces perversions of the purpose of prophetic ministry. And that's why people shy away. They're scared of it. They don't want nothing to do with it. Leaders and pastors don't want that in their church. They're going to tear their church up and all this other stuff. Because there's no guidelines. The people don't want to submit. They just want to go around haphazardly speaking things that are may not be God. So there is some validity there. Humility secures our destinies. Being humble and submitted. Submission and obedience shelters us from traps of offense, flesh, and darkness. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's the end of this session and this teaching. And I think we'll just uh, maybe get ready to do some activations. Say one thing. Questions? Yes. Um, prophecy is a 